disconcerting doing a show beside someone who's got a ball in one hand and a bat in the other. Jealous? No. Would you like to hold one? Huh? Would you like to hold one? Pick one. Hold what? Pick one. If you want to, if you want to be a part of the team, I'll take the ball. No. I've seen your hands. Not very good. Someday we'll uh, let Barker on TV show how you're supposed to pick up a bat. Apparently, there's a thing. If you pick up a bat a certain way, ball players will look at you and go. <clears throat> yeah, there's only one no, person. Seriously. Alex Alex <clears throat> Bragg was the only guy that picks it up, like he's grabbing a a. I don't even know what, like he puts it in the palm of his hand. Yeah. No, no, no other hitter does that because you can't do that. He wants to be a punch top hand guy. That's why he grabs with his top hand like he's cupping it in the palm of his hand. Most people have to put it in their knuckles. You lay a bat down, you just lay the bat in your knuckles. How hard is it? See, so, that, so you can buggy whip the bat. You want that so, last little buggy whip. Oh, why do you think uh, Springer uses the axe handle? Because now, with the axe handle, because of the way the handle is, it's flat and it looks like an axe handle. When he picks it up, it just forms to the knuckles. He don't even have to look down at it. That's why he uses it. Takes all the guesswork out of it, Jeff. So there you go. If you want to impress somebody, if you're around a major league player, be careful how you pick the bat up. Do not put it in your palm. That's a sure sure sign that you can't and never have. Put it in the knuckles. (laughs) I did yell at you. I know you did. When I hand you my bat. I wasn't even thinking about it. I just kind of picked it up. And you... Well, you look like you had the the uh, the 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 jug at second base in the beer league. You couldn't well, wait to hit a hit a double so you could go drink a beer. That's about as far. That's what as, you look like. Well, I mean that that's the extent of my experience. You know, it's, it's not beating the other team. It's how many times you can get on second base. That's exactly right. That's right. It's a, it's an individual game. It's a it's a, uh, a bunch of individual awards wrapped up in a team. The team concept. Just think how much better you'd have been if you'd have known how to hold the bat. How about a, it? Might have made a difference. Well, I got the head out. If I wasn't 260 pounds, it probably would have made a difference too. Leverage. <laughs> My entire life was a high leverage position, <laughs> a high leverage situation. Uh, Sweeney Murdy will join us at 1110. The Yankees and Jays will wrap up their three-game series tonight at the Rogers Center. You did, say kakut. Did you drop a light a candle? Every time you said that guy's name now? Kikuchi? I, 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 I did last night, but I mean, it's... Small sample size. Yeah, yeah, it's not a... It, it's not... We have not yet reached, I, I think, peak dropping a candle or lighting a candle. Fastball thing. command's a big thing. He, he can throw a strike one with a fastball. I, I have a hard time. When I see a guy who Elevated can throw... When I, and when I have a hard... When I see a guy who can throw the ball as hard as Kikuchi can, I have a hard time not thinking that it's going to be okay at some point. I, I just don't. I understand that you get carried away with velocity, but uh, this is, look, this is a guy who came over here. He was a mess. There's a reason the Mariners punted on him. Teams don't give away lefties to throw 97, 98. Rare. uh, Unless there's a reason. So I think we just had to assume that uh, really the, the contract you're giving, you say Kikuchi, you're really hoping, you're really hoping you get a good, second half out of him this year and real good years in the next two years of that deal. Like I, I, I just presumed that he would be a work in progress. Now I admit, I admit Kevin, that, that I didn't think that 
I guess it's because I haven't been a pitcher. When somebody looks at a pitcher and says to you, he's got everything. All he has to do is not throw this pitch this much and throw this other pitch more often. Sounds simple. To the layman, it sounds simple. Okay, well, you know, instead of throwing a cutter, throw something else. How hard can it be? How complicated also can it be? Too, I, also, too, I think we forget <clears throat> that that Paul's in his – Leg raise. Which he's gotten rid of. I, uh, that's that's of. a big move. That's a big that's change. That's like Ross Stripling, what Ross Stripling used, did last. He's used to doing that. He feels comfortable doing it. Now you're saying because you can repeat that over and over and over again a little bit better, and you're going to command stuff a little bit more. What's the thing that you do when you do something different? You think about it. Sure. When I lift it, am I lifting it? Am I pause? I can't tell. Oh. Have I done it enough that now it's just second nature to me and I'm going to do it all the time? Like, no matter what, no, I don't think he's there yet. And that's what you're seeing a little is well, it's like he's any, in between with stuff. That's like anything else, too. I think professional athletes in general, Donald Feart, when he was at the Players Association, told me this one time. And, and it's right. I hadn't thought of it. But, you know, professional athletes in general are pretty conservative because they got to the point they, they're at making good money because they did this thing this way. Now, all of a sudden, even Kikuchi, but yeah, didn't have a lot of success in the second half last year, but he's gotten a lot of money this year, Thirty-six. a lot of money next year, and a lot of money the year after. And now you're going to him and saying, okay, you know the stuff that got you that contract, the stuff that got you out of Japan into the major leagues? Well, we want you to do this instead. And, and I really do think that sometimes we overlook how hard it is. How hard it is when you've had some success doing something one way. Because the other thing athletes are, especially ball players, ball players are always optimists. Like, name me another job where I could go 0 for 20 and be absolutely convinced the next day it's going to be better. Or I could have five days in a row that were just complete and utter crap. But I know on the sixth day that I'm this close to breaking through. It... it I mean, that's the thing about the day-to-day nature of baseball players. They're always, hey, the next at-bat is my chance, right? If you're Start, both, you're scuffling. Hey, all I have to do is get it. Starting pitch is a little different, though. they got four days to let it fester. And those right. guys that don't let it fester, and, and, and you got a little time, a little bit more time to work on it. I just think fastball command for him. If he can command that somewhat, doesn't even have to be great with the fastball command. If you can do that and maybe occasionally, oh, oh, Sprinkle a secondary pitch in to be unpredictable. That's it, right? It's it's you throw 96, 97. Trust that. Locate it somewhat, middle away. When in doubt, go away with it. If he can do that, I think it'd be decent. Uh, before Sweeney joins us, very quick question about Alejandro Kirk. Um, we talked about the the difficult game he had yesterday. He got picked off base, the the decision he made uh in the rundown. We've also talked about how he's done a really good job behind the plate. Uh, you know, in terms of framing and, and working with the pitchers and, and things of that nature. Is it possible, Kevin, that a game like last night's game shows you that, you know what? Not that he's wearing down, but he's caught more games than we probably thought he was going to have caught in the first, what, 23, 24 games of the season. I don't... Because we didn't, we we assumed Danny was going to be four days or five days. Is it possible that this is a sign of him wearing down? That plus the fact that I know yesterday he got his first extra base hit, but it was also his first extra base hit. So you're you know what say, I'm saying? so you're saying maybe that we're maybe he, we're seeing that he's not aggressive in a rundown, or he got picked off of first base tired. with a lefty. 
with I'm a just, lefty on the mound. I'm just asking. Down six I, runs. I'm just asking. I'm. I'm. I'm we know. Look, I had a chat with Ross yesterday, and one of the things Ross said is they were talking about his often. He goes, "Yeah, I mean, he's the workload on him is 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 a lot right now, and it was unexpected, and it's probably affected him offensively." And I think we would agree with that that there that may be an may may come into he's play awfully, here. He's awfully, he's awfully young to. I mean, what's he play four times a week? It's not like they're saying go play seven days a week. I'm not asking him that. He said they're saying catch three days a week, maybe four days a week. DH the other two, you're going to have one or two days off, maybe probably more than two, instead of one day off. I, there's there's going to have to be a little of this, Jeff. You a big leaguer? Go out and act like a big leaguer. Like they're you're on a really good team. The little things that you're not doing right, like there has to be there has to be an expectation where, okay, if you're going to be on the team and you're going to be this guy and we feel confident enough to you, for you to do this, which is up here, then you have to live to that up here and take care of your body well enough that it's not okay to say, I feel like I'm a better hitter bigger. Right. Well, that's, well, you better hit a lot. That's the reality of this. This is a, this is a, what did Josh Donaldson say? Not the tri league? It's a get it done league. Can't be getting picked off. Like there's, there's, okay, you got your mulligan getting picked off at first base with a lefty up. I, I, I'd have taken you out. That's me. Charlie's probably got a better feel of his room than I do. Team struggling. Man- maybe, maybe not, wasn't the best time. I thought it would have been a great time. I have covered managers who would take somebody out. Oh, when I played, when I played, I'd have been sent down. Period. It's you funny. Didn't, you didn't do that. I wasn't an everyday player. I did that in a when when we looked the way they're looking, and you get picked off down six runs with a lefty on the <laughs> on it's, the it's strange. I mean, base, yeah. baseball baseball is one of those games where if if you're if you're getting thumped, people will look at what you do during that game. Like nothing drives a manager nuts more than when you're down 7-1 it's garbage time you bring some pitcher in and he's 3 and 0 and he's walking a guy and then he's 3 and 0 and he's walking a guy just it, nothing drives you around the bend as a manager more than that like there are things there are things in a blowout managers expect to see from players don't isn't there there really is it's baseball IQ it's no that's what i said about the the first time you asked me last night what was going <laughs> through and i said the first thing Vladdy need to do was talk to people around him Tell the shortstop what you're going to do if a ball's hit this hard. Tell the catcher if it's not hit this hard, this is where I'm going with it, and this will tell them before the play actually happens. It's called mm-hmm. baseball IQ, and further to that point, when you're not doing it and you're getting your butt kicked because you're not doing something you're supposed to be doing, when I played, you didn't play. Real simple. Let's bring in Sweeney Murdy. He's a Yankees reporter with WFAN. Sweeney, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the Yankees have won 11 in a row, as I know you predicted when we spoke to you when the Jays were in, <laughs> were in New York. Everything is fine with the Yankees. Everybody looks good. Actually, all, all kidding aside, first of all, we hope you're doing well. All kidding aside, um, Barker made this point about Aaron Judge. I, I'm trying to decide whether Aaron Judge, whether you think there's anything to, to what he's doing this year, whether Aaron Judge is playing like a guy who wants to get paid what he think he's worth or he's being paid play he's playing like a guy who knows he's going to get paid what he's worth um before i answer that can i can i just comment on your last point um the i i think a lot of what you're talking about kind of goes away because of a three-man bench 
teams don't, you know, it's hard to just pull players out. That's true. Right now. <clears throat> and I saw the same thing happen last year, uh, an incident with Gleyber Torres. I'm thinking, hmm, I saw the manager pull him out for this earlier. Why isn't he doing it now? And the shorter bench and, you know, you know, uh, other circumstances basically yeah. said, you know what? I just can't afford to do it right now, even though the offense is as egregious as, as what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just kind of yeah, a reality a of where we are right now. Yeah. Um, I think Aaron Judge, I, I, I talk about this a lot with players who are in their walk year, and I hear fans kind of get disgruntled about it. They're like, oh, of course he's playing well in his walk year. And I, and I kind of relate, you know, I, I know that, especially elite athletes are not relatable to us in any particular way. So I try not to do it too often, but I try to make it stick with this point. If I told you that what you are going to get paid for the next eight years depends on how well you do your job for the next six months, aren't you going to put a little bit more effort into it? Mm -hmm. Aren't you going to be a little bit more focused on what you're doing and and whatever walk of life you're in, do your job really well for the next six months, and it'll get you paid more for the next eight years. I mean, that's just common sense. So I don't hold it against players who who kind of step up everything, and maybe they're taking better care of themselves. And you know, a lot of it's maturity too. You know, Kevin, you could probably speak to this. There's a certain invincibility that is is inherent in a young professional athlete. And as you get a little bit older, a little bit more mature, you know, maybe some of that is kind of chipped away and you kind of have to start realizing, okay, these are the things that work. These are, these are the things that don't. And these are the things that are going to make me better and more efficient at what I do. Um, I, I think all of that comes into play. Uh, including what you're talking about with Aaron Judge, he's a he's a smart dude too, which which helps a lot. You could tell in that at bat against Alec Manoa in the sixth inning there, where he was he was trying to think along. You could see him flipping the iPad when he got him out a couple of times. When's he throwing <laughs> this? How much is he going to throw it? When he throws me this, I'm going to hammer it. You could tell he's he's thinking it through. He's a smart guy on top of being I, as talented as he is. Can I tell you that in the previous at bat? I mean. Uh, I think a lot of what happened in the home run he hit off Manoa is basically about, you know, what did he see? Like almost 20 pitches, right? Over the course of three at-bats, he went full count, full count, and full count three yep. straight times. Um, in his second at-bat, and I don't always watch the game this closely, so, uh, I, you know, because various things are happening, but I remember the first pitch he saw was, I believe, a, uh, like, uh, a two-seam that mm-hmm. looked, looked pretty hittable. Yep. It was it was called strike. And I just thought, oh man, that's the one he should have swung at. Because I, I didn't think he was getting another chance that at bat. And as the at bat played out, he ended up working the count full and swinging and missing, I mm-hmm. think, at a four seamer. Yep. Um, so you get. So I was kind of like, I thought that was his chance. I thought he missed it. And as Manoa's getting through, he gets the, the third at bat was just mind-boggling because he has him down 0-2 and now he can do anything he wants with him and he ended up you know kind of working it back to the point where he was guessing right on the four-seamer but I, I you know to your point about smart at bat smart player I just kind of really looked at that person and said oh he missed it and then his next chance he you know he found a way to work it back to his advantage and, and you know get the get the big swing I just want to uh throw this out there that uh, uh... 
little side here. I don't know if you'd call it breaking news, but uh, Derek Holland. This is, I mean, there's a lot of things about social media I despise, but this is kind of funny. Derek Holland just tweeted out a new profile pic of, I think that's a French bulldog <laughs> wearing a Blue Jays cap. Oh, so oh, oh. there you go. Derek Holland is available. I don't know. Maybe he's hinting at something, which is mm-hmm. anyhow. Mm. There you go. That that's. I'm sure that's how. That's how you know all the old time baseball writers broke stories, right? Going on, going on Twitter and looking at dogs wearing caps. Uh, I, I think I think Heyman is going to have to credit that bulldog. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there'll be a big. Had it first. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I hate to tell Mustang Heyman this, but first. the bulldog's yeah, name is Rosenthal, apparently. So, um, <laughs> no, that's 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 that, that's cheap. Hey, uh, MLB Network ran a graphic yesterday about the Yankees bullpen and the number of sink of sinkers that bullpen is throwing, which is like miles more than anybody in baseball right now. That is clearly deliberate, right? That was a deliberate decision by the organization to profile mm-hmm. a certain type of, pick, of, of pitcher, wasn't it? Yeah, and if you look at why that's playing out really well is the Yankees have improved their infield defense dramatically. Um, and I think that, you know, one goes hand-in-hand hand with the other. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're always, they're throwing all these, they're, they're sliders and sinkers right now, right? And mm-hmm. out of the bullpen. And, you know, I guess everybody's trying to kind of get ahead of the curve a little bit and figure it out. But you've also got guys who, you know, they're, they're not, they're not all throwing like, they're not all throwing like 82, 83 with these pitches. You know, Clay Holmes is throwing bowling balls up there the way I was, I remember when Troy Gloss was with the Blue Jays, I remember asking him about Chin Ming Wong, who threw these, you know, he's kind of ahead of his time. He threw mm-hmm. 95 mile an hour sinkers, two seamers. And, uh, Gloss is like it's trying. It's like trying to hit a bowling ball at 95 miles an hour. That's what Clay Holmes is throwing up there now. And you know, Jonathan Wawizaga does the same thing. And they pair it with these sliders that go the other way at pretty much the same speed. It's like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to? You know, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to? David Cohn talks about this a lot, like trying to make an X on the plate. And when you've got a pitch that looks exactly the same until it breaks, and you don't know if it's going to. You know, Roy Halladay was awesome at this, right? You don't know if it's going to go in or away. Derek Jeter used to talk about this. He said he never throws the ball straight, and I don't know which way it's going to break. Um, so, like, those are the kinds of guys that you're talking about, and now you turn in, you know, you, you clone them into one-inning relievers, and this is what the Yankees are running out there right now. Uh, sweetie, we, we love to early in the season grade managers. You know, that that's what we do. Sports talk radio, you I love don't. to do that. You love to pick it, the manager. <laughs> see. Yeah, if you if you look at Aaron Boone, I saw Trevino first and third trying to safety squeeze, right? You, you get the runner in from third. You get the runner into a scoring position. You kill two birds with one stone. It's a great idea. You had number nine hole hitter. Saw Hicks trying to steal with a tough pitcher on the mound with either, even Judge up. You think that's on purpose? Like, I know Aaron Judge probably got some more weapons that he can go to. But it just seems like the little things. Like it's it's just not the Yankees' way. We're used to the bopping, the wait for the three-run homer. It just seems like in this little winning streak that they got, they're doing more. They're doing the little things. Think that's on purpose? They're doing more. Yeah, I do. They're doing more, but they're also doing a lot of the same. I mean, they're they were hitting home runs, and a lot of them. And you know, last night's nine-run output this a little bit so it's probably dropped a little bit but going into last night they had scored 47 percent of their runs on home runs which is the exact same percentage as the year before 
Um, it's just that they weren't hitting them quite as frequently or having more trouble. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're playing from ahead a lot, so you can do things like what you're talking about. Uh, they do have, you know, Hicks is healthy. Hicks wasn't last year. He's a guy that, you know, has – he's not a base dealer, but he's got some speed and can do some things. Trevino gets his bat on the ball, smart player. Um, so they have a little bit of a change in personnel that allows them to do a few more of these things. But they're also trying – you know, they are deliberately trying to be more aggressive. And I think you've seen a play out against the Blue Jays specifically. If you look at what they're doing with their outfielders, they, you know, they know something about how the Blue Jays' outfielders – play and attack the ball because you're seeing them get very aggressive. I don't think, and I know the ball split the gap and went to the fence, but I don't think Stanton's trying to score from first on a double if they don't believe they can run on Toronto outfielders because mm-hmm. I saw there was an instance the night before. Uh, it didn't end up being a factor, but I, you know, they went first to third. I thought on a play, you know, they forced the action and went first, first to third on a play that maybe you wouldn't have tried it. And I remember seeing it in the series at home too a couple of times. So right, I think that was kind of Falafa you're talking about going first. Yeah, to third. yeah, yeah. And so they are, you know, they're getting aggressive because they have personnel to do it. They're trying to force the action. Um, you know, they're they're using their scouting reports and things like that. It's you know, you you've got a couple of different people up there to try and do some things. But but let's not forget, they are still the Bronx Bombers. Mm-hmm. What do you think the expectations for Josh Donaldson is? More than what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the expectation for him, too. I, I feel like, you know, he's the kind of guy, and you guys would obviously know this a lot better with your history with him. He's the kind of guy that's going to be able to exert uh, a, a pretty strong leadership influence in the clubhouse. But in order to do that, he's got to, you know, he's got to pick up his game, right? Right. Um, you know, you've got to be doing your thing before you start walking around doing what, what you're used to doing and what you guys used to see him do up in Toronto. And I think that's really important for this team because this is, this is different than Yankee teams used to be because you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting a guy that had multiple World Series rings in, mm-hmm. you know, inside that clubhouse, right? You don't have that anymore. You know, uh, Anthony Rizzo and Aroldis Chapman, I believe, are the only two players in this room that have a World Series ring, and they won them with the Cubs. Right. Um, you know, you don't have core four guys who know how to get through a season and get to through a postseason. This is what these guys are supposed to do. Josh Donaldson has been to the ALCS a couple of times, right? So he has some of this experience, and I think he is going. You know, as he kind of finds his way, and and I really thought we'll see how he does tonight, but I really thought this is going to be the series where he would probably find it a little bit because you guys know how hitters talk about finding that familiar backdrop, right? Yep. Finding a place that you hit well, you just saw the ball well, you had success, you're walking up there with a ton of confidence, no matter what your numbers are saying at the moment. So I really thought this is going to be a series where we're going to see Josh Donaldson. He's got, he's got one more game, obviously. And, you know, they listen, they rested LeMahieu last night, so he's got to be back in the lineup. I wonder if Donaldson will be even in the lineup tonight at, you know, because they had us at somebody, but I really thought this was going to be the series where you'd start to see it. But he he's he's out there. He's they're easing him in defensively, DHing him a bit, which was the exact same game plan that Alex Anthopoulos had in Atlanta uh, three years ago, and it worked out well during the course of that season as they finally cut him loose, uh, probably late May, early June. Um, I, I think there's more in there. I really do, and I, and I watched him, and I know you can't read a whole lot about spring, but he looked good in the spring, 
And I just meant like just the way he was moving and the way he was carrying himself and um, just kind of what he felt after the trade. Uh, I do think there's more in there. I think he's going to be important because, you know, you don't have, you know, Derek Jeter and a bunch of guys with, you know, a fistful of World Series rings to lead this group. Uh, tonight's starter, Nestor Cortez, has uh, obviously he's played a, he, he's been a stabilizing influence uh, on, on this rotation. Um, what is he? You know, what, 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 when this team is everybody's healthy and everybody's at full speed, which you know they're at that point now. What is Nestor Cortez? I got an interesting idea from a scout uh, after I think it was his last start. Um, that he's, you know, let's not forget, he, he does still throw pretty hard and throw strikes. Yep. I mean, he doesn't throw 99, but, he, you know, he's he's not this, you know, uh, old, you know, he, he's not like 45-year-old Tommy John out there uh, with these big looping curveballs. You know, there's, he's, he's legit, right? Mm-hmm. And he's throwing strikes with it. Um, but because he is um, not the, the hard, hard thrower, Scout told me that, you know, he's the kind of guy that he wouldn't be afraid to throw in between, say, Cole and Severino in a playoff series. You know, that's that's how effective he thinks he can be at kind of throwing off the rhythm of the hitters and right. doing what he does Makes for five sense. or six innings. And then, you know, and then you hand it off to a, the stacked bullpen, which is what we were talking about and what they throw. Um, it's not it's not how teams seem to be designed right now where you're trying to stack the hard throwers in the first, Like you would think right now that, and I guess they don't always fall in this category, but you know, Tyone or Montgomery probably falls more in line to what you consider a traditional uh, starter. Mm-hmm. If you're building the Yankees playoff rotation around Garrett Cole and Luis Severino. But I was kind of intrigued by this idea that, you know, you drop Nestor Cortez in between them and um, and and throw it up, mix it up a little bit. It's kind of an interesting thought. Uh, to your original point, I've been asked about him a lot. Mm-hmm. What is he? He's a good pitcher right now. He's just a good pitcher. He's figured, you know, and that cutter that he throws harder now than he used to has become a weapon for him. Nestor Cortez strikes me as the type of guy that could put you in a slump. Bark, oh. right? uh, he, he, yeah. he, he, yeah. he looks like the type of guy you could come away. You go, that's it. I'm, He's I'm got a sneaky hater gets on you, and that's that's alarming when you're hitting. You really don't know how to. You don't know how to attack that or have an approach against it because it's sneaky. You can tell the, the late swings they get on his heater. It's alarming to hitters. It's not, pro- it's probably not quite the same slot. Although you know, in my head, I'm trying to figure it out right now. Like you guys remember Sid Fernandez kind of used to hide the ball and sling it. Right. right. Yeah. It was hard for even right handers to pick up. Um, I kind of feel like he's got a little of that going for him. Yeah. Sweeney, really good of you to join us. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. See you later. Take care. It's Sweeney Murdy, Yankees reporter in WFA at, on WFAN. I love it. Because I think Jack Curry made the same reference I, I I love, to, to Sid Fernandez. Oh, yeah. I love it. The uh, the uh, They've been talking to the same people. I I, <laughs> I love it that the uh, they're already talking about how to, to figure out their rotation for but no, the but I, No, but I think Sweeney's point is you look at Nestor Cortez, and, and he's right. You look at Nestor Cortez, and you go, come on, the Yankees are going to use Nestor Cortez and the playoff series, but depending who you're facing against, why not? If you get Garrett, for that. You get, no, but if you get Garrett Cole, and we just talked about it, right? That he gives you a really it's one of those nights where you go back to the dugout and go, "The hell, how am I over for, for for me when I'm in the playoffs? I want my best stacked together. If he's hot, he's throwing like he's throwing now, mm-hmm. has the invisible, 
And can and he has and can been eliminate he's good been a stabilizing influence with an this. elevated fastball, yeah. which he's never done yeah. for long periods of time. If he's doing this, then yeah. absolutely. But what's the chances of that? Uh, we mentioned we've not seen anything official yet, but we mentioned Derek Holland has sent out a a tweet with a picture of his. I, I presume it's his dog. I don't know if it's a French bulldog. Whatever. It looks like the dog. It's a dog. Yeah. He's a baseball player. I'm sure it's probably some some purebred that. But anyhow, costs thousands of dollars. Probably the dog is wearing a Blue Jays cap, and there are a bunch of congrats, brother, uh, underneath it from former players and former teammates. So. Uh, Derek Holland, a left-handed pitcher who was with the Red Sox in spring training, <clears throat> opted out of his minor league deal. I think it was the first opted out of his minor league deal with the Red Sox. Same thing Dexter Fowler did yesterday with with the, the Blue Jays, just had, had an opt-out and not going up to the major uh. leagues. I'll, I'll look around elsewhere. Last year with the Detroit Tigers, he had an ERA of 507. Uh, with uh, pitched 49 and two-thirds innings, uh, 51 strikeouts, 20 walks. Uh, they 30, already got two lefties like that. Old. Oh, you yeah. need another one for I mean, I'm sure that... Depth? Maybe, yeah. Why not? Bring him in. Take a look at him. Um, his last his last really good year, well, I mean, he was with the Giants in 2018 at 357 ERA, made 30 starts uh, with the Giants. Big ballpark. Yep. Not the American League East. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, there you go, Derek Holland. So perhaps perhaps at some point it'll be made official and maybe it's a minor league deal and we'll find out. But it appears as if Derek Holland, either Derek Holland is coming to the Blue Jays or he really likes the way his dog looks with the Blue Jays cap on. Sounds like another project for Petey. That's what it sounds to me like. Well, you can never have too many projects. Ask him that question. Sure, he'd have a different answer than what you just gave. We will go to Barker's back leg bits when we come back. And um, a reminder that Kevin and myself will be on Blue Jays Talk immediately following tonight's game. And uh, as always, you can call us. Well, no, you can't. You can text us tonight, 590-590 is a text line. I'll get to the text line as well uh, when we come back from the break. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. Well, it appears as if Derek Holland... Is has signed a minor league deal with yes. the Blue Jays. He's just announced that. He sent out a picture of his Bulldog. Then he responded to a Blue Jays fan and said minor league deal. So there you go. There you go. Fresh meat for Pete Walker. <laughs> what? Uh, that's true. Well, I, if it's a minor league deal, <laughs> Pete's not going to have anything to do with him right away, uh, probably. Yeah. Right? Uh, I should have mentioned, by the way, saw Nate Pearson threw, his bull, threw a bullpen yesterday. Um, still no... We talked about this yesterday. It's impossible it, it, to know it, what it, he's It's mono. I mean, and people who've had it will have have told me that you just you just don't know. You'll you're ready when you're and the Jays have said he'll be ready when he's ready, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, but I did throw yesterday. It was interesting, and I don't know if it was because Kevin Gosman was following him in the bullpen. I don't know. But Kevin Gosman was right there with him, and there was a lot of back and forth when he was throwing the ball. I don't know what it means, but 
I, I noticed because it was I was in the left field press box that Gosman and Petey uh, were both down there with him. So mechanically, how do you throw a strike one? How do you do it with a secondary pitch? This is how you do it. You sit up here. You look here. You set your sights here. What better guy to talk talk to than a guy that's gotten off to a hot start and can throw a secondary pitch mm-hmm. by aiming, starting it where he wants it to end up. Sort of reminds you of Nate Pearson. It could be worse guys to follow. Anyhow, I, again, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was just that Kevin Gossman was due to throw next, but um, it was kind of cool. It's fun when you actually get to see the work that goes into something. I'm going to say, too, I, I, I would think that Nate Pearson feels a little left out. I know I would. It's not his fault he got sick and he's going through what he's going through, but I'm sure he feels left out. He, he, it's it's a... The the rubbers met the road with Nate Pearson, I believe, and I think he knows that that it's time when he they're they're the the marriage the you know the first week of being married how yeah. excited you are it's over with Nate Pearson now now I think you start need to need to see results and he knows that that it, he needs to when he shows up he needs to impress people I mean I I hate to say it but you know the thing that I always I've started more and more to think of when I when I see Nate Pearson they're different pitchers and there's different situations but. I keep remembering about, I keep thinking about Aaron Sanchez and how Aaron Sanchez's career was all in front of him. Now, admittedly, Aaron did have a, Aaron was established when the finger injury happened and all that. But yeah, it's just, it's always been kind of a cautionary tale. Uh, Not to say, not to draw comparisons, but I am saying that, you know, sometimes you look at a guy and stuff just keeps getting in the way. It's got such great stuff. Yeah. It's it's time for us to start seeing it, and I'm sure the organization thinks that. Hey, you know what time it is, Barker? It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. I don't know who he was praying to, but Barker's like, get up, get out of here, and the guy's right at the fence. Like, I got this one, you know? The umpires would throw the balls out, like, hey, Barker's up. There. Bring in the six balls. We need the dead ones. Bring in the dead ones. Bring in your dead balls for Barker. That'd be a great That's n- rude. be a great name for a band, Dead Balls for Barker. Would not be. Rude. Anyhow, Sean Casey with some uh, insight into yeah, that's Kevin tremendous Barker's insight. Career. Uh, Barker's back leg bits. We somebody said to me, "Why do you call them back leg?" They were concerned. They thought it might be a kind of a pornographic reference. What? And, 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 no, it's it's Barker always talks about going back leg city. <laughs> somebody actually sent that yeah. question in. No, and they asked just they wanted that. to know what back leg meant, and they that's what they said it was like. What they, they put two and two together and came up with twelve. But uh, not really. Well, now you know why I'm not on Twitter or on any. Yeah. Anyhow, that's amazing. So no back leg going back leg. At least my understanding of going back leg is that hitting a home run. And and, and that's so that's why we called it Barker's back leg bits. Plus it's the alliteration BBB. See, the show is B&B and BBB. Anyhow, DM me with your questions. Don't ask questions like that. And uh, SN, SN Jeff Blair is my <laughs> Twitter handle. And maybe if you ask a question, maybe I'll read it out. Well, you did. Uh, Don't ever read that again. Also, 590-590 is a text line. Uh, I got, we, we talked about the rundown. Uh, Matt St. Dennis wants to know, because we, we talked about the rundown, but we really didn't address this. He said, "Don't do you think the runner should have been called out for running out of the base no. path last night? Okay, this is... Matt, thank you for asking that question. A lot of people had... Uh, asked that question last night. I responded saying the the baseline isn't the baseline. I mean, it's like one of those baseball rules, right? The baseline isn't necessarily the baseline. The umpires have a different interpretation of it. What 
My Sword, understanding Sword is the, the fender's making you run. Correct. That's what it is. And for me, he, uh, he wasn't even really in the grass. He was still in the dirt when he when he fell to the ground. And, well, and that's the thing. The tag, tag is applied in the dirt. It was. So, yeah, it's, so, it had nothing to do with it. It's just a, it's a terrible start to Alejandro Kirk. Run after somebody with some authority. Right. But that, that, was, that was a question. That, was, and a, a lot of people a, had that's that. a solid question, but it's, no, so it's it not. It's okay. not, no. So the, Ron Culp blew the call, but that wasn't the reason it was blown. It was blown because it was blown because he just couldn't. Uh, I mean, he was blown because he because the guy was out. He called him safe. Yeah, I can't, I can't, can't mm. put it any other way. Uh, Brad Kuypers, Jeff, the review system needs some tinkering. Yeah, no, no, no kidding. There's an <laughs> issue with close decisions that can't get overturned because there's not the evidence to do it. And our sports down under. Brad's from Australia. I'm sorry, Brad. I should have shouted you out. He's using an example of cricket and rugby. If the challenge is inconclusive, the team challenging keeps their review. If you give them unlimited reviews, it will slow the pace of play and MLB won't allow it. So in other words, it's not, if it's an inconclusive review, the call stands, but the team still keeps its challenge because it was a, you know, it was a legit challenge, I guess. Mm -hmm. Brad, I said this, either you're all in and review or you're not all in and review. That's fair. And I don't like coaches' challenges. Either I, I was fine when they brought in video rev- review for foul balls or home runs. Okay, I, that's that's absolutely necessary because you're dealing with stationary thing. It's relatively easy to tell, right? The foul line, the foul poles. It's relatively easy to tell whether or not a ball is out or in play. That's fair. I, I that's fine. But to me, if if baseball is serious about review, and I know you kind of roll your eyes when I say this, if baseball is serious about review. There has to be in-game review. There has to be an umpire dedicated to that in the press box. Costs money. It's an $11 billion a year industry, although they can't figure out, they can't find the right ball to use. But there's got to be an umpire in the press box, and it's got to be up to the crew chief to determine. In other words, the crew chief is there. Say, I'm going to, let's look at the call. Now, again, what? I see, but but let me me finish, because what, I, I don't want it, I don't want the managers to have anything to do with it. I don't want the possibility of a challenge. I want to put it on the umpire. I want to put it on the umpire. I want to put it on the crew chief. The crew chief would have the responsibility to determine whether or not a review is needed. And I understand that's like the check swing. I'm not going to, hey, I'm not going to appeal. I'm not going to give you the appeal at first base in the check swing. I get that drives people nuts. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But my point is you're either all in or you're all I, I, the only thing I have issues with is uh, you always hear baseball all they all ever say and umpires all, all they ever say is all we want to do is get it right. No, you don't. It's obvious you don't always get it right, even with replay. And until you try and figure out how to do that, whether that's I don't like the the thing either of having a buddy umpire because your buddy's going to give you the benefit of the doubt. No, you see, this is so I don't like that either. That there's but, a, there's a lot of things. But that no, no, wrong no. With but replay. that that's. I no, I disagree completely with that. I I absolutely I dis I disagree with that. Um, if, if you have if you have an umpire who's dedicated job, he's the video umpire at the game. I I completely disagree. You can you can judge him as well as you don't can they judge have that anyway umpire. in New York. That's who they call as the umpires. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I want if we're going to go to review, if we're going to go to review, one I want definite plays that can and can't be. I don't want every play reviewed. I don't want 
play at second base necessarily reviewed. I want scoring opportunities reviewed, and I want you know the fair and foul ball reviewed. The, the catcher's interference thing, I got. You know what? With all due respect, if the if the umpire didn't see it and didn't call it, I don't want that subject to review. I don't want the catcher's interference subject to review. I, I just puts, don't. puts a lot of pressure on a manager to make the right call at the right time well, in case he loses. Well, if, well, if he loses his, his yeah, challenge I, I early in the game and in a big spot in the seventh inning when you tag a now, guy out, you slap the, a guy's helmet almost off. The biggest question, of course, is that will, will that slow down the game? And and that is my point. What do you, you want to you, get it right? You, you can't review every single play. There are some plays. I think we're all big enough people that we don't need to absolutely know for certain that every single play is 100% right. Fans of your team want them to get it right. But I don't like Not the, some of the time. I don't like the challenge. The and I don't like, well, we can review this. We can't review that. Well, either you review either you review everything or you really, really, really limit what you're going to review. And you're going to take away a lot of the plays that you can now review. They're and you're saying say, fair, foul, now? home run, plays at the plate. That's it. Just get robots. I have umpires. That's what the umpires are going to say. No, you can't. It, well, that's what they're going to say. That's entirely wrong. Um, a ro- robot is not... Robot umpire isn't going to be able to necessarily determine a bang bang play. I, it, it, we use robot umpires, and and it's 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 the wrong term. You are always going to have a human being making the call, but he's going to be making the call based on information he gets electronically. So I, you know, the robot umpire thing. Whoever started that should be taken out in the back and slapped upside the head because they're not robot umpires. It's just it's a it's it's a dumb it's a dumb freight. How about execute a rundown better? How about we do that, yeah, Jeff? Anyway. No, it's too easy. Yeah, I just uh, re- reviews are. I get I I guess I understand that you know video generation. Everybody needs to have a hundred percent certainty. That's why I talk about the strike box. I don't need to see whether or not every pitch. is I love strike. it. I don't need to see. I've watched enough baseball that I've got a pretty good idea. You know what amazes me? The number of times I can look at that box and there's a pitch that's just outside. And I go, that pitch was just outside. I would have known knowing that whether or not there was a box there. I would have had an idea. I think if you watch enough baseball, you can tell. That's tough. Any positive? Gerbs. Gerbs has got a positive. Today's positive thoughts in the Jays. 15-10 after the first back-to-back losses without Jano and Teo. Couldn't be happier with that after a total meat grind ever scheduled. The only thing that stinks is that the Yanks have absolutely taken care of business against the weaker teams. Just got to hope the Jays do the same. And I can tell you from doing, reading some of the stuff in New York, one of the things they are talking about these two games against the Jays is they beat the best team in the, the, in the American League. Like The Yankees think the Jays are the team they're going to have to beat. Everybody, you know, the Rays are intriguing. But if you read and listen to what the Yankees are saying, they think this is a team they're going to have to beat. They think that the road to the AL East title goes through Toronto. And so if you're the Yankees, yeah, you've had a relatively easy schedule. But I'll tell you what, if you sweep the Jays, you can pretty much stick a pin in that hole. The Yankees had an easy schedule. Jays got to be, uh, be great at home. They got to start hitting more. I mean, it's real simple for me. But if they can do those two things, the American League East, so it's not it's not the AOS, not the Central, it's the American League East. You gotta get the foot down and get it singing a lot. You gotta win some 10 to 8 games. Yankees right now are doing it. Blue Jays aren't. Paul Holland in Belleville. Do the Jays need to put the lineup in the blender 
and jumpstart the offense. Personally, I, pers- personally, I'd like to see a guy like Espinel get a shot higher up in the lineup. That's from Paul Hall. Available. There's no point because you're getting Teoscar back maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. I, I mean, there's there's no... Who's he hitting? Who's he hitting for? He ain't yeah. hitting for Bo now. He's not sure not hitting for Vladdy. He's not hitting for Springer. Yep. Not going to hit for Teoscar. Yep. Not going to hit in front of Lourdes. Probably not Chapman. Yeah. So the idea of just get on base, play great defense, sticking a lineup in the blender. This is a lineup that was really good last year. It's a lineup that should be better because they've got a healthy George Springer in it. Let's be honest. This team is not going to go where they want to go unless those big name guys up front are doing big name things. Santiago Espinal is just a, he's a nice little added piece. He gets on base and occasionally he'll run into a double to right center and drive in a run and do his little handshake and everybody wants to cheer for him. That's exciting, but it's up to the big boys to carry the load. Uh, please give your name and uh, location when you uh, send in a text. I'm going to read this because I like the text, even though there's no name on it. I like Adam Simber at times, but he's a contact pitcher. Understanding the lack of strikeout pitches in the Jays' bullpen, was Simber really the right guy against this streaking Yankees, streaking big contact Yankees team after Manoa's heat? Wouldn't Simber just be hanging beach balls? I, I didn't have any problem bringing Adam Simber, and that's how they've been using him. And we, we've talked about time and time and time again that Adam Simber, there, there's a, there's a com- there should be. There's a comfort and a confidence level with Adam Simber because generally when he comes in, good things happen. Now, with Adam Simber, though, what you got to do, you got to make the plays behind him. That didn't happen. That you got to locate a little better. He threw a couple pitches down the middle to Hicks, I believe it was, and and the ball that Stanton hit 119 miles an hour that you wanted to point out, the ball that was hit the bow. Yeah, ball hit right at you at the big league level. You're an everyday shortstop. You make that to, that play 11 times out of 10. It's and I'm sure if you ask Bo, he'll say the exact same thing. You got to make the throw to first base. Yeah, I'm with mm-hmm. you. I, that, it's it's they have what they have. They're going to bring in the guys that they know, that they feel comfortable with. Charlie is a very comfortable manager, meaning that when he got guys that are available, remember that now, the guys that are available for that day, they're not going to go three days in a row. You don't know how certain guys are feeling in certain parts of the game or on that day, no matter what. So they're going, they got the list of guys that they're going to go to in certain situations. He locates to either one of those guys, and they get that first out. The outcome of that game may be a little different. Now, they still may lose because they're hitting woes right now. Yeah, and the Yankees And that, that bullpen is nasty. And it's going to be a little tough to string together a couple of hits. And you're probably not going to hit homers off them, so you're going to have to grind. But in, in, that, in that situation, Kevin, I think we both agree that you, you've, got, you've got Richard, Simber, and May, Richards, Simber, and Mesa. Those are, your, those are your guys if you're Charlie. And I, yeah, I, like, I like Simber in that situation. Simber, to me, is the guy that, and I'm sure if you talk to the coaching staff, they'd tell you that on balance. You put Simber in the game, generally good things happen. They scored a total of three runs in two games at yes, home sir. against the Yankees. You ain't going to win two games. And you didn't see Cole the series. Or Severino. Or Severino. Not that or Tyone Chapman. was necessarily. You ain't seen Chapman yet. You haven't either. seen Chapman yet either. That's right. You're going to um, see him today, probably. I would think so, unless Nestor Cortez. That's a, that's a bazillion. He ain't going to go nine innings. He might give you five. How'd you like to? How'd you like to do that? How'd you like to see Nestor Cortez for five innings? Then your next at bat is somebody like Chapman. I'm sure they're used to it. It's not yeah. a surprise it's just anymore. A, 98, 99, 100. I think it's the breaking balls and when they're getting those. Good questions, folks. Those are, those are great questions. Except the what you started that hit with about why back leg city is called or back leg bits is called what it's called. 
Tom in Hamilton says, I can't stop thinking about the strike zone and why you don't like it, Blair. I just don't. Oh, don't, the box. I don't need it. I don't need it. I love yelling at umpires, so just bring it on. Anytime I get a chance to do that and just yell and scream and throw your TV and jump up and down. The box isn't the strike zone. You might as well put a freaking circle it or a triangle. Is. No, you might as well put a triangle up there. You might as well put a triangle. Put a triangle up there. Put a triangle up there. How hard is it? A ball's a ball, a strike's yeah, yeah, a strike. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, uh, we'll be back tonight. Blue Jays talk immediately following the Jays Yankees game. We'll be back here tomorrow, 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 the Fan 360. And as always, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Have a great day. <laughs>